The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, let's, let me pray as we jump into studying God's Word today, and may we um, recognize the authority that that he has uh, through his word as we learn it. Father, we thank you for the sending of your son, as we've already sang about, and we thank you for sending of the Holy Spirit as he empowers us to, to truly understand faith and understand what it means to follow you with our lives. And we thank you for the work over uh, thousands of years as this book was written, uh, just these, this season of, of you interacting with men and women and, and then being recording that for us here 2,000 years after Jesus to study and learn from you directly, God. We ask this morning that we um, hear your words, that we allow softness if things seem different than what we have thought, but may we rely on your truth as our cornerstone. It's in your name. Amen. It's kind of a special morning for all of you in the room. It's um, sword ceremony for adults. If you would like a Bible, you can take a Bible that's there in front of you. It's a free gift from us to you. If you do not have a Bible or has a friend who needs a Bible, you can give them a sword ceremony at work sometime. I'm just kidding about that. But seriously, these are free Bibles for you if you would like to give a Bible away. Um, we want to be very generous with, with God's Word, and um, those are there. And this morning, if you didn't bring a Bible but would like to use one, feel free to use that um, as well. These last five weeks at our church, we've been uh, studying God's Word in Romans chapter 12 called Finding Your Sweet Spot. And I've uh, been talking about how God has made you and how God has designed each one of us for a purpose. And when working properly together, when, um, when we are in our sweet spot, that we're most effective. And we've been kind of, we had sign-up sheets for multiple weeks, and the staff has kind of looked at everywhere where people have signed up, and hopefully you'll be contacted the next month about starting new ministries. Maybe you sign up for one of those or getting plugged into the current ones um, so that you can, you can live out these giftings that you have. And for the most part, as we looked at Romans 12, and we looked at finding your sweet spot, we've been looking at two things, time and talents, and how to best use those. And this is one of the best ways we can... Uh, connect with the Lord is using our time. We all have the same amount of time and we have different talents. You know, we all don't have the same amount or same type of talents, but um, we, God has gifted those to us and we can use those as many days that God gives us to live for his glory to, to honor him and that we show him we're dependent on him when we use his gifts for his glory and to be loving and to, to give to others. And we call this stewardship, this word steward. Ship comes from the idea that somebody else owns something, but for a season, uh, you are in charge of it. But it's not yours, but you steward it. And we get this word stewardship, and these possessions that we think we have, actually, they're somebody else's. And we're going to talk about this for a couple weeks. From the very beginning, in Genesis 2.15, of the passage up here for you, uh, we see that God, the creator of all things, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, the creator of all things by chapter 2, we see that he made a garden and put man in it, and the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. 
This was not Adam's garden. We don't call this Adam's garden. You know, we call this, this is God's earth that he's created. And he created a space for man and woman to live and grow up in. And in this garden, man had a job to work God's garden. So man is a steward from the very beginning of the Bible. And when we talk about stewardship, we talk about three T's. And we've only talked about the first two. So on the slide here, you see time, talents, and treasure. And I know right now you're already thinking, where is the pastor going this morning, right? If you were here last week, there's even a section in Romans 12 that talked about if your gift is about, you know, giving, then give cheerfully with generosity. And I said, hey, the next two weeks we're going to be talking about this. And just to preface, uh, there could be people visiting the service today for, for the first time. In the five years, we've never had a sermon on tithing. We've never had a specific sermon on specifically giving, specifically on treasure. Now, we have talked about it because the Bible talks about it. And as we preach through books of the Bible, we speak to the parts that Paul or Jesus or Moses talk about. But for these next two weeks, before we start a whole next series in 1 Corinthians, I wanted just to talk a little bit about this. And you may say, well, Pastor Dave, where did this come from? Is the budget going, is it too low, right? There's nothing like that that proposed me pragmatically that I need to talk about giving right now. Other than a number of us went through a series, Disciples, uh, the, um, uh, the Kent Hughes book, Disciplines of uh, uh, Disciplines of Godly Man and Godly Woman. Man, I love this book. I'm just kidding. The title, Disciplines of a Godly Man, and many of us went through that, and women through Disciplines of Godly Woman. And in this book, um, in this book, there's a whole chapter on giving and tithing. And and I've, you know, my wife and I, we tithe, and we've been talking about giving. You know, our, our whole marriage. How much should we give to this missionary or to the church and all these things? And and giving has been a, a part of our life. And I've heard sermons. I've been in church for a long time on tithing. But in this book, it was just rich with good things. And inside this chapter, Kent over and over again began to share with me about this pattern from Genesis. That mankind should give, not because God needed anything, but because it's a reflection of our relationship with God. And I wanted to have a series on this. And, and my hope for you is that as you recognize that you are a child of God, and the reality is that as a child, uh, we don't own a whole lot. God owns it all. He creates all things. And, and when we see our money as our stuff... And we sometimes take our things and in our own minds go, maybe I'll give some of my money away to a church or to a charity or to the Red Cross or to text something that some of you saw at a concert to give some money away. You feel like, oh, good. I used some of my money to help somebody else. I just want to say that mindset's not biblical. And, and the best way that I think I could share this as I was kind of developing and learning, like, how, how, how do I best understand this? And even talking to River some about this, it's like I, I picture, let's, let's, just go, let's just go to a poolside, okay? Let's just all go to a poolside and where it's, it's nice. They haven't closed the pools yet. It's not Labor Day, right? They haven't closed the pools yet, and, and you're there. Uh, you're a parent, okay? So if you have kids, uh, perfect. If you don't have kids yet, picture yourself being a parent, and you're at the poolside, and your child says, can I have some M&Ms, right? So you, you give the child 
$2, and they go over to the little candy store there, and they bring M&Ms over by the poolside. You see your child stick his or her feet right there in the water, and you sit next to them, and it's this moment. But then you look over, and you're like, mm, delightful. And you say, could I have a couple, angel? And the kid looks at you and said, these are mine. Get your own M&Ms. And as a parent, your first thought is, how far can I throw my kid in the pool and it look like it's fun? Right? Or secondly, or secondly, you begin to think, well, if I grab the M&Ms quickly, I might rip them and lose a couple. So plan C, give them a little. Okay, not doing plan C. But plan, plan D, this is a teachable moment. Teachable moments. Child, did you know that I have enough money in my bank account to buy all the M&Ms in that little candy store? Did you know at Halloween, I don't have to dress up to beg for money and candy. I don't have to beg for things. I have enough money to go buy all the candy and just have my favorites. I only buy the kind I like. That's how rich I am compared to you. I don't have to ask my dad for $2. I just want a few M&Ms. And in your mind, you see this contrast, or you see a little bit of brokenness between what the child just chose to do and the reality of what happened. I did not just lose or use my last $2 so you could have this candy. What I chose to do was have a moment with you. And when we recognize that when we have a God who creates anything he wants out of nothing, and he asks to be a part of the treasure that you have, it's because he wants to have a relationship with you. And when we say, no, mine, get your own somewhere else, what we're saying is, I don't need you anymore. I've got what I want. And in this transition in my own mindset of recognizing that my money was not my money, my house, my car, I just got the truck I've always wanted in my whole life in January. It's a 2012 and it's awesome, right? But this truck is not mine. It's the Lord's. And as you guys text me and need to borrow it, hopefully I'll say yes if somebody else doesn't have it because it's the Lord's. My heart for you today is not a, guys, Give to the church because we need money. My heart today for all of us is may we give to God because it's good for our hearts. It's good for our relationship with God and we're better for it. So let's look in just at the story for a second. What does this scenario teach us? Well, first of all, I think I put these up here. Yeah, I did. God does not need our money. Secondly, God wants us to know that we only have because he's given it to us. 
Thirdly, God wants to have a grateful heart because of these truths. And lastly, God wants the exchange of treasure. Why? To increase our relationship with him. So these next two Sundays, we're going to talk about this some because this is hard. It's hard for all of us. Giving, tithing, stewardship. But it's important to God. And it's important to Jesus. And it's important to the authors of the Bible. How we view and spend our money is, it's, it's massive. It's massive in how we walk these days God has given us. It impacts our spiritual life. It impacts our physical life, our emotional life. I want us to be a free people. A people that's not like constrained because we're always checking to see how much money we have. How much money should we give away? We're like worried and we have anxiety and there's greed and coveting and there's arrogance. But that we are regularly reminded that we have God who's a provider. We have passages in the Bible where God himself cared for his people one day at a time on purpose. When the manna came out of the ground, he said, just take what you need for the day. We have Jesus who said, when you pray, pray my daily bread. There is a dependence that we see throughout the Bible that we're not good at. And God knows we're not good at. And Jesus knows we're not good at. And the author of the Bible knows we're not good at. So we're in good company this morning, recognize that we need help in recognizing that God is the owner. We want to be mature. We do not want to be like the child on the side of the pool. So where do we start? Well, each Sunday, we close our service with mentioning there's a box in the back of the room where you can place tithes and offerings. Each membership class, I bring up that we're a church that's funded by the people and members of the church. Every year at our budget meeting, we talk about how grateful we are for how much money together that we raise so that we could move forward with gospel ministries. So what's the tithe? Well, the tithe, referred to as 10% in the Bible, it's the idea of having a, a set number that you've set aside, and it's, even there's expectations in the Old Testament law with this number. And there's actually multiple tithes and offerings in the Old Testament that we can see as part of their rhythm of life. And if you add all the tithes together that you see in the law, it actually comes out to 25%. And I'm not saying you should give 25% away today. I'm not saying you shouldn't give 25% away today. I'm just telling you this is what the Old Testament law is saying. And even before the giving of the law with Moses on Mount Sinai and Leviticus, before even seeing that, we saw Abraham 400 years before Moses giving a tithe. Giving offerings to God is throughout the scriptures. So how does it play out? Well, if you look on the screen, here's six different ways. One was the Lord's tithe or the Levite's tithe. That's 10% that went to this tribe that took care of the tabernacle took care of the temple it was the priests so that the people of God would have a place in a community and a certain group of people that would say hey we're going to create environments where you will not forget God because in the past when our people forgot God it's not good for anybody so this is an investment let's not forget God secondly 
There was the festival tithe. What would this go towards? We understand this. This was the party tithe, right? That the church together would say, let's all invest money and let's party throughout the year. And why? Because God said, you must have these festivals because your community is important and people like to party. So do that. Make sure you, everybody pull your money and have parties together. And then there was the poor tithe. Like this happened every three years. It would help with the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, the benevolence fund, right? Then there was first fruit offerings. This is like when you're, you're a farmer, a lot of people worked in the fields, and once the first fruits came up, before you knew how the whole field would turn out, it would show your dependence on God, saying, God, these were our first fruits. We're going to burn them. Like they physically burnt them to show God we're relying on you. Then there were free will offerings. When you learn about the walls and the temples and the tabernacles and the skills, you'll see there's times where the, the whole community of Israel would pull together for special things, special events. But I hope you see in God's expectation for the people to care for their spiritual walk, their physical walk, it was all for them. It was for them to be connected to their wonderful Father and to be connected together. It's at the heart that God wanted to point this topic. Remember, he can create anything he wants to. He does not need our money, but what he needs and what he wants because it's good for us is our dependency on him. We see this pattern in the Old and New Testament. I like the way Vance Pittman says, always a portion and sometimes a sacrifice. Throughout the Bible, there's always been a time where a portion of the people's money and goods and animals and crops were given. But sometimes there was a sacrificial gift. When I say always a portion, I mean in general, there is a way that God has set up dependence points. I don't farm for a living. I get twice a week paycheck from the budget that we provide here at the church, right? So I get a harvest every middle of the month and at the end of the month. That's my harvest, right? And I have to choose what am I going to do with my harvest, for you, however that happens for you, do you always give a portion? And my hope for you is that you, as a follower of God, would recognize this is the pattern of God's people throughout time. But secondly, there's always sometimes a sacrifice. I am sure, based on the pace of how building needs are going or the number of air conditioners and heaters we have or how large the roof is, there's going to be times where we're going to need to increase the benevolence fund, increase a building fund, or something like that, that will be something that collectively we'll need to maybe sacrificially give to this or that item. And that would be the second part. And I think Vance is right, that you see this pattern all the way through the scriptures. But I want to look specifically at Malachi 3. It's a passage, it's the last book of the Old Testament. So if you find Matthew, go back one book. In Malachi 3, we hear the voice of God through his prophet. So we're going to be reading from 
verse 6 to 12. And I'll just stop on each slide and share a few things as we go through this passage. Malachi 3.6 says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, the Israelites, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? So what do we learn from this? Well, God loves his people, and he wants what's best for them. And when he recognizes his people are far from him, he's saying, no, come back. It's good for us to be in a relationship. This is a good quality and characteristic of our loving God. He wants us to be connected when we have chosen to step away. Verse 8 says this, Will man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. For in sin is a curse of self-reliance from the initial sin. Of pride, I want to be a God, I want to be in control, I want what I get to be mine. We want to be in power. Just like that child who got his bag of M&Ms, they were now his. We want to have what we have received to be in our authority and used how we wish. But there is good news God gives direction and continues in this passage on how to return to dependency. In verse 10, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourers for you. So that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field to not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So, as we follow this up, I think I have a slide here. What do we learn from this section as we return back to God? First of all, trust God as the giver, and give back in gratefulness and celebration. Two, he says, test him. This is not common in the Bible. This is here in Malachi. Test me. See if I bless you beyond anything you can imagine. Remember, his people would take some of their harvest and just burn them. He wants a people who goes, that's what I'm talking about. And then he kills the bugs. God wants his people to know that he wants to continue to bless them, but not become greedy and arrogant and withdrawn. Thirdly, experience the protection, but then also the abundance and the blessing. And lastly, what do we see? He brings up others will see the blessing. 
Why is that important? Because what's the Bible? What's the church? What's the nation of Israel? They're pointers to God. Because mankind doesn't care about God. But God's a loving Father who says, I want to adopt you, receive me as Savior and Lord. What's the greatest gift we can think of? The cross. That was God's initiation. He is the giver. When we give, we are displaying God to the world. When we hoard When we say it's mine, we display man. We display the sin of the garden. We display control. Hear the point of the message today, please. God is the giver, and the giver gets the glory. When we give, it's just showing dependence Saying, God, I remember you. I know you're the one who's given me my mind, my social interaction skills, my communication, my ability to click on the correct things for my job, type things for your job, call people for your job, teach things for your job. Whatever your gifts are, do you recognize those are from the Lord? And we want him to continue to bless his children, but he does not want to bless us so much that we become prideful, arrogant, and greedy, and need to be told, you need to return. My hope today is what you hear, is you hear the gospel, first and foremost, coming from God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And it's an empty cross because he is risen. But what that giving did, it gives us faith. It gives us recognition that this life, if you just try to win every moment of every day, you're going to kill yourself and have a horrible life. But if you live your life in dependency on a loving Father who created you for a purpose so that he receives the worship and you receive the joy for being in victory your whole life and live forever in heaven eternally with your brothers and sisters in Christ, so good of a life that he has for you. My hope if any of us are stuck in trying to win now but lose later, I am I'm preaching a sermon on it because of it. Please, may we fight that urge. And I've mentioned the Old Testament. Now I want to mention the New. Just a few verses here as we begin to close out. Matthew 6, 21. We've preached through this passage before in our church as we went through Matthew. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven and not on earth. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And that's what God cares about is your heart. Jesus, again, in Matthew 23, 23, it's that woe chapter in Matthew where he's talking to the Pharisees and he's talking about their their tithes, but also not living out justice well. He tells them, continue to tithe, but also show justice and mercy and faithfulness. 1 Timothy 16, 17 through 19 says, Paul's telling the rich not to find their hope in their wealth, but find your hope in God, because that's where true joy is found. 
Don't be rich in money. Be rich in good works. Be ready to share and give to the people of God and to those in need. Why? So that they may take hold of that which is truly life. May we be a church that has true life. And lastly, Hebrews 13.5. I'm just going to read this passage. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the father or the mother sitting next to the child sharing endlessly the M&Ms over and over again in hopes that maturity happens soon. So practically, how does this play out at Neighborhood Church? I like what Pittman says. You don't give to a church, you give through a church as an investment in the kingdom of God. You don't give to a church, you give through a church, and the church being people, as Joel shared with us so clearly this morning. And my aim at Neighborhood Church is that you would desire to give through a Christian organization like Neighborhood Church. Our mission and our membership covenants point us to a people who want to love God and our neighbors together so that Jesus will be worshipped and enjoyed and more and more people will come to faith and be saved and be baptized and live forever with God. And when you give your tithes here to Neighborhood Church, you are directly connected to where your funds go. If you're a member, you get to vote on the budget. We, we have the budget meeting every January, and we say these are the categories we want to give your money that you've donated to. You have authority in that in our polity at our church. Your investment in the kingdom goes to reaching neighbors, goes through ministries like sports camp, through a growing youth group, through ministries for men and women and joy club. We have benevolence funds. We have a facility right here that we are now been, it's a gift to us and now it's our responsibility to heat coming up, cool currently, care for as a physical space where it can be regularly used for events for God's glory. Sunday mornings is a, a key one for us, but not our only event. It's also used for personal ministries. Many of you call the office and ask to use it for events or things that you would like to do in your community. And we have gotten to say yes almost every single time, maybe every single time. And did you know that we're starting to use this facility for outside groups through our ministry connection this summer crew? Uh, one of the largest college ministries in the world. They've decided the Kansas City team meets here as they reach six universities around our campus. If you walk down a hallway around one o'clock on a Friday, you'll see a whiteboard of strategies to reach more and more students for Jesus in our fellowship hall using our television, our whiteboard. Now it's all God's. Change those pronouns. Okay, right. So, so you, know what I'm, you know what I mean, though? We want to be a church that when you give through Neighborhood Church, it's about the gospel. It's about loving people. It's about giving away Jesus and the freedom of the very message that you're hearing today. And when you think of the tithe, we've decided as a church from the day one, we got our first $100 as a church that we were going to give 10% away 
to initiatives. SBC initiatives that are reaching inter- international people who've never heard the gospel to plant more churches just like we were throughout America and Canada. Our 10% goes to relief efforts like when you go down to the coast after a hurricane, you see send relief trucks. 10% of our funds go to help buy that spaghetti sauce in those vehicles. So what's our challenge today? Well, this is what I want you to consider. If, if you're married, talk to your spouse about this, of course. But each one of us, individually, consider what it would be like to tithe through Neighborhood Church. To tithe from your first fruits. To say, all right, what do we make? What do we give? Do we give 10% away to show our dependency on God? And many of us in the room, we make a lot of money, especially to the world, compared to the world, who makes, you know, $5,000 a year. That's what I'm saying. We're very rich in our area. So we think of our money we make. The average, you can look up averages of Johnson County, how much people make in our neighborhoods and all this stuff. We know what kind of houses we live in. We know what each other's mortgages are because we all live in the same houses, right? So it's like, like okay, this is what rent costs in, in, uh, in, um, in our county, in Johnson County. So it's like, okay. So right now we're thinking, what's a tithe in our community? Do we give that? Guys, I'm with you. I'm right with you. I'm going, that's a lot of money, Dave. That's a lot of money. I want to tell you something. There are a number of families in our church, because I know what our budget is, that give a tithe. But there are a number of families in our church that don't give a tithe. And there's a number of families in our church that don't give anything. So why am I giving this sermon today? Because I think it's good to know inside our hearts where we're at in the community that we share, the buildings that we share, the ministries that we share, how does it all work? Well, just being in church ministry for the last 20 years, let me tell you how it's worked over since the priests started taking care of the tabernacle, since the church was started, since Paul's doing his mission trips around the Mediterranean. That stuff's not cheap. The giving of 10% is not a demand in the New Testament, but it's a good number. When I did fundraising to be a missionary overseas, People, I'd ask for, would you help Rivers and I go overseas to share the gospel with people? Most people are like, well, what's a good number? And we had a number in our mind. Like if every family gave about this number, it would be good. I believe as you read the scriptures and think about the tithe and these rhythms that we see in the church, if you're thinking, am I doing what God would have me do? The tithe. And the reason why I'm using it is because it's in the Bible. It's what my wife and I have chosen to do with our funds. Give a tithe. Now, I know everybody, you're like, I'm so in debt, I can't give a tithe right now. Well, do you give anything? Can you start somewhere? Some of you in the room give more than a tithe. And the church is grateful. We are all blessed by you being a generous family. But what could we do as a church if neighborhood church said, hey, I want to be dependent on God and give him my first fruits every harvest? We don't have a tax police. I don't know what anybody makes at this church. I only know what my wife and I make. 
And my hope for you is that between you and your heart for God and you and your family as you talk, you think through what could we give to Neighborhood Church? I've never once had this sermon since we started. But I think we're in a season of growth right now. We've been given a facility. I know things are going to start costing more. And if your dependency on God is sometimes I put a $20 bill in the box once a month, and you know that you spend more than that on coffee every month, then maybe this is a sermon for you. If you don't have any money, and you give $20 in the box every month, you probably give more than all of us combined. I hear that clearly. This happened in the Bible. And Jesus said that person gave more than anybody else here. I'm not going to ask you what you give. I'm not going to scroll through Curtis's reports and say, what are people giving? But what I'm saying is, I love you. And there's a freedom in recognizing that everything you own is actually not yours. Everything I own is not mine. And in closing, I just want to close with this. What if we go back to the poolside? Let's go back to that poolside. We're there, right? And, and maybe there's some maturity happening. Can you guys see me? And, and, and the parent is here with the child, right? And you look over and you, you, you see the bag of M&Ms and you're like, ah. can I have five? There's like 50 in a bag of M&Ms, right? Can I have, can I have five? And you ask for five. But what does that kid do? The kid says, here's the bag, Dad. You just bought them. Take what you want. I trust you. You'll probably buy me more if you eat them all anyway. That's right, isn't it? That's apparent. Because we eat them all, all the time. But we buy them more. How much more loving is God to us than us to our own children? Let me pray. Father, this is weighty for us to be reminded that everything that we see as yours is hard for us because we work so hard. But Father, we, we repent today as a church. We repent in the times where we think what we have in our bank accounts and what we have in our houses and what we have in our driveways is ours. May we be open-handed. May Neighborhood Church be an open-handed church. And when somebody needs rent paid, it gets paid within a day. Father, if there's anyone in the room that missed the point today, may they forgive me for saying something that was off-putting or, or wrong or irreverent. Father, my hope is that everyone would leave here considering their stuff. And they would leave more in love with you, knowing that you gave it all to them. And they'd leave grateful. It's in your name. Amen.